Welcome to another episode of Out the Rabbit Hole here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, also on the web at KUCI.org. I'm Robert Larson. This is our August 7th, 2008 edition of the show. 5.09 on the clock here, p.m. Pacific Standard Time here in Irvine, California. Uh, before we get going, I've got a couple quick reminders. The, opinion, the opinions expressed on uh, this show are not necessarily those of the KUCI staff or management or the UC Board of Regents. And if you want to give me any feedback on the show, you can email me at rglarson at KUCI.org. You can also uh, catch me on MySpace. That's myspace.com. Slash out the rabbit hole. Yes, that bit we just heard, that movie trailer there, was for the new movie, Able Danger. This very interesting independent film was inspired by a previous guest of this show, Sander Hicks, and his book, The Big Wedding, 9-11, The Whistleblowers, and The Cover-Up. Uh, Able Danger, the movie, has been making the uh, rounds of the film festival. It has been generating a lot of interest among 9-11 truth activists and others. Our guest today is writer, director, and producer of this film, Paul Crick. Paul, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, yeah. It's a quite enjoyable movie, quite provocative, and I'm hoping to get more people to see this and start asking questions and really like the way you worked with this, and uh, we can get into all of uh, how you did that. Uh, before we really get into that, let's, uh, if people are interested, do you have a website they can go to to find out more about it and where showings are going to be and all of that? Yeah, um, abledangerthemovie.com. Is uh, that's a kind of a that's, that plays a lot of clips. If you click on if you fly the airplane around and uh, click on the uh, on the text, it'll take you to sort of a blog section of the website. It'll give you the uh, you can you can uh, get all the uh, all the data you need, kind of exploring in the blog with uh, where it's playing, buy to buy tickets, and all that. And uh, you can also fly the the airplane the airplane into the towers and click on the uh, get get the trailer and get a uh, see the poster and stuff like that. Okay. That, yeah, interesting uh, concept for the uh, the website. And Now, is this your first uh, full-length like feature film you've done? Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, congratulations. It, it's, it's a quite, it, it has a really interesting look to it, and I like what you're uh, trying to get out there with this. And uh, uh, so you're, uh, you're living in Brooklyn? Exactly. I live actually, uh, you know, a stone's throw away from Vox Pop. Okay, and and we'll get more into uh, Vox Pop and all of that. So, uh, Sander Hicks, regular listeners of my show, have, have heard him. We had him on the show, oh, I don't know, it was about a couple months ago. And how long have you known Sander Hicks? Well, um, you know, I lived I live in Victorian Flatbush, uh, and I've lived there about five years. And uh, I was there, you know, when he opened, he you know, Vox Pop is a cafe bookstore that he opened on, you know, like I said, about a few hundred yards from my house. So I was there when it opened. I guess it was about three years ago now. And um, and I, to be honest, I was you know just a uh, you know not a conspiracy theorist per se at the time. I sort of had you know whatever doubts or questions I think that kind of everyone has. Um, but uh, was just a fan of the cafe of the retail establishment that he was trying to do. You know, as far as something that he was doing in the community and what it was, what it meant to have you know a you know a cafe where you could hang out in the community. I think um, it's one of those important uh, 
things. You know, it's one of those community centers where you had an open mic and there's a bookstore and there was, you know, just a place where you could go with your family and surf the Internet and, you know, hang out with the kids and uh, meet people in the community and, and, you know, a place to exchange ideas. And uh, it was something that was sorely lacking in my neighborhood. And I think, um, so, you know, I know him, I've known, I mean, I didn't know him personally. I knew, you know, I was sort of a fan. He stood up in, uh, uh, and, 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 and sang some punk rock uh, piano playing, uh, <laughs> you know, just impromptu stuff. Just really fun, charismatic guy. Uh, and uh, so I was, a, I was a fan of his early on. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so then you obviously read his book, 9-11, The Whistleblowers and the Cover-Up. And it, do you remember what effect that had on you when you first uh, read the book? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I was in the, um, I was actually, to be honest, after the, after the second time Bush got elected, I was kind of uh, really reeling and, and um, just shocked that, you know, just really kind of depressed uh, about being an American and uh, was sort of committed to, to doing, you know, I've been making TV commercials for years and, and I, was, I had this sort of existential moment where, was, where I really felt like I needed to do something. And, I mean, I've always wanted to make features, and it was kind of like, I'm either going to leave the country or I just need to do what it is, you know, that I've always wanted to do. And I was kind of in that space where uh, I was trying to figure out what it was that I was doing. Um, and, you know, I, and I, you know, it was whatever. I was, just went to the cafe one day. I was kind of looking around at the books as I, as I had been doing because, I, I, you know, I, I kept going back and buying books because it was like, or just, or even just actually at the time, I was just looking at the books. You know, I hadn't actually ventured to buy one yet, and uh, and I was like, oh, these are all books, really interesting subjects. I don't, I haven't seen you know books that were that, are, that were touching these subject matters at the bookstore that I go went to, and, and I was like, oh, oh. And, and he's got this little micro publisher that he, um, you know, he publishes his uh, books out of the cafe as well, and uh, and you know, I saw he had this book, The Big Wedding, Whistleblowers and Cover-Ups, and, and my first reaction was, I think, sort of typical. Um, what I expect most people's reactions are to 9/11 truthers is I was like, what a what a kook this guy, you know, he's wasting his time, you know, you know, what you know, what's he gonna do? What's this little book gonna, you know, gonna gonna do? It's like he's, you know, he's wasting his time writing 9/11 conspiracy theory um, books and um, and I, you know, but because of the, I was such a fan of the cafe and a, a fan of his, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I decided I was going to read it, and I was, you know, wholly impressed with his writing. You know, I, I found it entertaining and engaging, but at the same time, very thorough. Um, sort of, uh, I, I felt like it was very, you know, well footnoted, well documented, um, and uh, uh, you know, it was rich with. Um, Sort of, you know, personal stories, but really, sort of big, also big picture kind of, you know, historical, national, you know, na uh, in, uh, you know, national political analysis of uh, of where we're at, and you know, and sort of, you know, a, a summary of 9/11 uh, research, and sort of picking picking some of the good, you know, key points that kind of were bricks in the wall that you know were uh, that really needed to be addressed and answered. Um, well, yeah, he, he does a really great job of getting this, this big-picture view without getting into really crazy, all-encompassing conspiracies. I mean, he kind of looks at these different things, and that's what I liked about the book. And now, did, so was there a point that you, and then you said, 
oh, wait, I have these skills, you know, with filmmaking skills, and that this story sort of needs to, be get, needs to get out there in some way. How can I put that together? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I spent a lot of time, um, you know, to be honest, when I first um, started concepting, I felt like I knew I wanted to do kind of a noir um, a noir homage because that's how I, I just, I just um, felt that's what was needed, it's sort of the, the, my state of mind. And I felt like also the country state of mind, um, you know, the space that we're in is this kind of this noir, um, surreal, dark, you know, uh, you know, sort of depths of evil kind of, um, but we're skirting on the surface and we have our, but so in any case, so I, I was kind of set on this uh, sort of a, this kind of a genre and I was, you know, um, shopping for what it was going to be about. And I was, you know, so was, and, and I knew it was going to be sort of a MacGuffin driven film. There was going to be something that everyone was after. And I was, and I was sort mm-hmm. of, um, I spent, um, you know, a lot of time thinking about it, agonizing, what was this thing going to be? And, and my first thing that I was actually going to do, I thought it was going to do was a sort of a voter fraud, um, story where, you know, we, the truth would come out about how, you know, there'd be some evidence about how, how, you know, one of the elections was stolen and there'd be some sort of, un, you know, undeniable proof. But, um, and, but reading the book, I found the, the sort of the, just the intrigue and also the, um, in the end, I was probably convinced that 9-11 is a bigger issue and sort of, um, it, you know, it's like, it's, it, it we're in this uh, time where it's almost like a BC, AD kind of thing where everything is defined politically by 9-11. Oh, and, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And, and, uh, and I felt like, you know, I, I just feel like it's, um, I wanted to sort of contribute to, you know, reinterpreting how we understand 9-11 because I feel like that's the only way we can kind of re, re you know, uh, change our direction you know we, we we're, if we always look back at the same you know with the same interpretation then we're always going to sort of move forward with the, with the same with the same you know agenda um so uh well, you make a very interesting point about the the bcad and and it's it is true that everything changed on 9-11 in in sort of like the bush administration and their view of it and the idea of promoting the quote unquote war on terror they like to say that everything changed on 9-11 but which is true but for those of us who've looked into it a little deeper it changed maybe in ways that are you know actually unimaginable to people who haven't looked at it you know it was this event that was so novel and and whether it was a conspiracy whether it was an inside job or not it it just had such profound implications for everything and uh, you know we're we're living in a different world and we are you know rolling toward a police state more and more each day uh because of this event whether it was a contrived inside job or not and and I, i really like what you're saying about um just things being so dark and that you want to, wanting to do this noir type thing, a very sort of like dark look to the fi- film as a reflection. And you say, you were saying as a reflection of how you were feeling and you're certainly not alone. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And after that I- election of 2004, which a lot of evidence points to that it was stolen as well. We all just felt really depressed because not that we thought, well, things were going to be great if John Kerry became president, but we know things were going to get a lot worse if George Bush was in there for another four years. And so everybody was feeling that darkness and that despair. And and the look you have for your film uh, captures that so well. And, you know, really, um, 
appreciate that. So, you know, people have made a lot of commentary about this dark film noir look. And, and uh, can you talk about that genre a bit, you know, and how that inspired you and, and go into a little more of why you chose that look? Uh, yeah, you bet. I mean, <clears throat> um, I think, you know, noir film is, uh, has a vocabulary that is, um, where it sort of acknowledges our depraved nature and, um, and, um, and yet, you know, you, you can tell a story, you can have a detective story, you can have witty banner, you can have sexy babes, you can have, you know, uh, chase scenes and, and, um, but, it gives you, but everything is sort of colored with, uh, you know, a darkness. Every 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 character, even your heroes, have you know a, a um, aren't perfect, and um, uh, so you know I think what just you know entering that you know entering. Um, and you enter that space with a look, you know, I mean, you sort of emotionally, you, you know, you see things a certain way, you know, with sort of deep shadows and, and high contrast. And um, and, it, and, it, and it, I think emotionally it brings you into a space where, you know, you're, you're uh, ex, you know, accepting that there's a different sort of moral vocabulary going on. And... Um, uh, and were, were there, could, could you name a couple of films that really had a big impact on you and you thought, well, okay, th these were inspirations for you in, in doing this? Well, yeah, I mean, the film is absolutely, uh, you know, an homage uh, to the Maltese Falcon in, in, in many ways. Um, I, I was also, you know, very, um, I mean, I'm very inspired by the tone of Dr. Strangelove, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, I mean, those are the two that... Um, uh, but at the same time, um, I was also kind of um, compelled by films that aren't. I mean, the, the other sort of influence for me was something like um, a Repo Man or a or a Pulp Fiction kind yeah. of that, mm -hmm. there, that there was a, that there could be something, you know, like the this, the glowing suitcase or the alien in the trunk. There could be some one thing, some metaphysical object that would have. Um, a you know sort of a, a world changing zeitgeist changing um, impact um, and I mean that was so for me that's sort of a, a little bit of a quirkiness um, right the device, a little bit of playfulness right and I can tell you had fun with this in in you know you're dealing with something very dark and disturbing but yes yet you get that as you said playfulness into it and and just a um, it puts you. It messes with your mind. It messes with your head. It puts you in another place. It sort of takes you out of your your complacency and your way of just looking at things on a surface level and having then to look at things in a more complicated way and looking at that things are not easily broken down into uh, good versus evil and that the people who are seeming to be wanting to do good things are often compromised and, and it's you know it's hard to tell sometimes who the good guys are and the bad guys and it's uh, so great job in getting that across we're speaking today with uh, Paul Crick and he is the writer director and producer of the film Able Danger and this is a, a wonderful movie that is um, taking uh, some of the loose ends of uh, what happened on 9-11 and the theories that, that uh, people have uh, created about that and following those up and taking you down a strange uh, rabbit hole journey to, to look at uh, possible explanations and uh, doing it in a very entertaining way. 
It, uh, Paul, is this uh, going to be showing in L.A. anytime soon? Is that on the schedule? Well, you know, I don't have a scheduled uh, screening uh, in L.A. yet, although I am um, entertaining uh, or just sort of currently negotiating potentially sort of uh, launching it on something like an iTunes on, on 9-11. Oh. Um, so it would be available uh, for download. Um, but again, I, well, you know, right now, you know, the the indie film game is. Um, I mean, I you know did I premiered at Rotterdam, which is you know supposedly uh, this is my first tour of festivals. But I, you know, I've been told it's a you know prestigious festival, and I've you know played a few other festivals. I did a, one a best production thing at Brooklyn, but I found that you know sales has been very difficult. Um, you know, selling a black and white movie is tough. Selling this kind of movie is you know this sort of a bit controversial movie is tough, um, and. Uh, so I don't have, a, you know, a theatrical distributor in place. I'm uh, self-distributing in New York, and, and uh, you know, right now a lot is going to hangs on how how well it does, how many butts, in, how many you know butts in the seats I get over the course of the week, and what kind of reviews I get, um, and and you know we'll we'll take it from there. All right, so if uh, anybody uh, listening in L.A. wants to uh, underwrite a, a screening or some kind of special event like that here in L.A., you're open to that. Oh, 100%. I mean, I've researched, you know, i priced out, uh, you know, screenings at the Lemley on 2nd Street uh, and Santa Monica, which I think would be a great venue. Um, you know, right now, I just, and if I had, you know, a little bit more, a little deeper well, then I, I, I would release it in L.A. on 9-11 as well. I just, uh, um you know, I just don't have the uh, the capital right now to to do a simultaneous release. Okay, well, we'll uh, we're putting the word out there, and anybody that would want to help out, I know there are you know a lot of organizations, nine eleven truth, and whatever that that would like to get this out to people, and so uh, uh, who knows, maybe somebody will come forward on that. And um, yeah, one of my one of my you know I, I self finance the movie as well, so it's not one of my uh, talents is not seeking out investors. I haven't. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a skill for for uh, for finding people to to uh, to, to pay for pay, uh, you know invest in the project and you know but also at the same time it's been giving me the freedom to sort of um, to own own it in a way that I wasn't you know beholden to anyone I could make the movie I wanted to make um, and uh, and that has been you know an, an invaluable experience because. Uh, um, I mean, I, I, for, I, I started looking for uh, outside investors for about a second, and then I realized, like, nobody was going to fund a 9-11 conspiracy theory movie. It was like, you know, like, um, so, 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 yeah, I mean, yeah. Any, any, you know, I'd love to, if anybody's interested, I'll uh, send, you a, send you a DVD, and uh, you want to help me run it, run it in, uh, in L.A., it'd be great. Yeah, okay, well, we'll we're putting the word out, and it's... Uh, yeah, there are a lot of people out here in L.A., Orange County, that are interested in this kind of thing. And uh, uh, Orange County is known for its uh, conservatism, but that's changing, and we're, we're helping to do that here on this radio show. But, um, yeah, the uh, are you in touch with, say, the guys that did the Loose Change movie? You know, I haven't been in touch with them directly. Okay, you, you know, you might want to get in touch with them. I know they, they did... Uh, I don't know. They're getting their movie out there a lot, and I don't know what their deal was with any sort of funding or what. But, you know, you might get some ideas from them. I don't know if they would feel any competition from you, but I, I think not. I think the, a lot of people are feeling we're all kind of part of, you know, just trying to get the truth out, and we all have a little bit different takes on it. But I think the bottom line for most of us interested in this subject is that we don't have the real and full truth of what happened on 9-11, and we 
we all just have a lot of questions right now, and we need to put those questions out there and hopefully get them answered. And that's you know one of the things you're doing here with uh, Able Danger. So uh, let's talk a little bit about you know the real life Able Danger. What what is that? Well, um, you know I don't I don't I don't necessarily know everything about what Able Danger is. What I what I believe is factual. You know, is that that they were a, a secret intelligence agency that was, you know, started by, um, you know, Army High Command, and um, they were tracking the financial support network of Al Qaeda and had been. And then um, I understand that they were, you know, a sort of a highly, you know, successful program, and had identified um, yeah, most of the, you know, Muhammad Atta and most of the ostensible, you know. Uh, at, uh, hijackers uh, who flew planes uh, on the day and um, long before the day and had presented their materials but and we know and 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 you know staying within what I believe to be the factual realm the indisputable factual realm um, the official story realm um, they there was two and a half terabytes of data that was destroyed in March 2001 um, I, I guess it was around the time that Cheney took over all the uh, sort of terrorism task forces and uh and able danger has been prohibited from testifying and we know that you know you can go youtube and see you know Aunt, you know colonel schaefer was uh tried to come forward and tell people what was going on into the 9-11 commission was never sort of given a a voice and then was sort of blackballed by the army intelligence that literally declassified and then sent classified information to his house and, you know, taken, had his pension taken away and then kind of came forward as a self-defense. And Kurt Weldon had a, uh, I guess, you know, uh, I guess he was, I'm sorry, he was a senator, I'm not sure, but, but uh, you know, had made a case and brought, you know, brought it forward. And uh, I think Kurt Weldon's agenda was actually to sort of malign Clinton, but I think that he was scratching on something deeper. And... Uh, you know, Schaefer had some public testimony, um, and then there was a bunch of private, you know, closed-door testimony, which, you know, I guess isn't, hasn't been made public. And uh, and then Weldon, I think, was maligned uh, and sort of um, falsely accused of, you know, stealing funds or doing something uh, with, you know, Army funding and then lost his seat. Um, and that has been the end of it, I mean, as far as what we know about it, because, you know, Weldon was put out and, and they've been hushed. Um, uh, you know, I you know it's funny. I've actually been emailing lately with the Able Danger blog gentleman who, you know, who tells me he's you know knows some of the gentlemen in Able Danger and some you know friends of friends and you know basically his take on them is that they're uh, you know patriotic citizens who tried to come forward, excuse me, and um, sort of uh, express the or you know explain uh, how you know the sort of failures of. Um, I mean, one take on them is that they're just, you know, do-gooders that have tried to do what they could and and, and tried to explain to the 9-11 Commission and try to make public the failures of the of intelligence before 9-11. Um, and then there's, you know, I mean, all we know, the real salient point is that two and a half terabytes of data was destroyed, and I'm not really sure why. I can't really think of any reason why you would destroy data of an intelligence program that was researching al-Qaeda, unless there's something incriminating that you're destroying. Um, yeah, exactly. And and so that's really all I know. But, I mean, like, according to Webster Tarpley, who is, you know, a, a researcher who I'm, I'm a fan of, uh, b- b- to be honest, because his big picture 
sort of story, you know, actually sort of the pieces actually fit together in some way. Um, whether or not, I don't, you know, I don't know, you know, how much of Webster Tarpley's theories are true, but, but at least he's got a, you know, a, a, a theory, a, a, what's the scientific term, where, you know, it all hangs together. It's got a, you know, sort of uh, Occam's razor works and a systematic principle. But, you know, according to Webster Tarpley, Able Danger was, um, you know, not only tracking these, these, you know, terrorists, al-Qaeda, but they were tracking them because they were facilitating and enabling and recruiting. Um, and so tracking was part of their function, but um, was, uh, you know, they were, you know, uh, part of the enabler, uh, enabling process. Um, so, I, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't actually know everything about Able Danger, and that's kind of what the movie is about, is, you know, it, you know that, that's the mystery of what, <laughs> what's on the hard drives, you know. Right, um, right. And so, uh, you know, I, I go back and forth on this myself, and you have these things like Able Danger, and so you have, this is an ongoing thing that, that our government does, and a lot of governments do, and the whole intelligence community is that they, they find people who are uh, ostensibly enemies or uh, potential enemies, and then they, they infiltrate them. But sometimes they create people. You know, we fund a, a terrorist as a means of kind of getting, you know, there's the whole double agent thing, and you're trying to keep tabs. And so sometimes, even though it may be all uh, good intentions and the people involved are feeling like they're doing their patriotic duty, the thing takes on a life of its own, and it gets out of hand. And so sometimes I'm wondering... Is that what happened here, 9-11, something like that? We were working with these guys because we wanted to keep tabs on them, and they, it got out of hand. And right. It seems very clear that we have, you know, connections at the root of, of all these organizations that, um, that were essentially, even in the official story, were the perpetrators of the act. So, you know, the, 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 the story of, oh, well, there we became, you know, rogue elements after the fact, you know, it's the, to be honest, that's just, you know, it's not really a great story. It's just not a, um, a very plausible story all the way through. Um, you know, at the, on the one hand, we feel like our government is sort of taking care of us. Yeah, we've got some, you know, we've got double agents. We're in there infiltrating. We're spying. We're doing all this stuff. And, you know, but then we're going we're gonna to accept the fact that, oh, yeah, but no, but then they just kind of went off on their own. We didn't have anything to do with that. Um, yeah, so it's like then it's like, you know, how could you not know? It's just sort of like Sandra Hicks makes the point in The Big Wedding. It's that the, the, the money wired to Atta and everything that was going on with Atta, he was working with the Pakistani right. ISI who always works with the CIA. How could the CIA have not known? And so, you know, then it gets down to, I guess, the, one of the things that I sort of debate in my mind is the whole you know, jargon within the 9-11 truth movement, the lie hop or the my hop. So did the guys in our government, some rogue elements within our government, uh, let it happen on purpose or actually, you know, made it happen on purpose because it fulfilled the agenda of the Project for a New American Century, which they were very open about and which you, in the opening credits of your film, state uh, the, the, the real sort of incriminating quote. Yeah, no, I, don't, I really don't understand why... Um, you know, PNAC, Project for New American Century, isn't um, put to task. Why they're not like sort of pinned to the wall and said, "What do you? What is it? You know, what does that mean? You know, you need a new Pearl Harbor to initiate conflict in the Middle East, and here it is coming to pass. Isn't I mean, isn't that an indictment? Um, 
If you were a prosecutor, you'd go down that path. You think? I'm a, I mean, I, in the you know, in the in the realm of of uh, public um, discourse, or you know, or you know, uh, mainstream media, or you know, obviously, I mean, our media is not um, very independent. Um, but uh, and I mean, you know, there's so many things that 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 point to um, why it is that we don't um, why it is that we don't have the answers to these questions, and, and a lot of it is. That our media is, you know, you can just follow the food chain. Um, who owns our mainstream media outlets? And and you know, and, and like one of the great books that comes out every year is, Pro, you know, Project Censored, and it just sort of, you know, points out all these things. You know, which I mean, everybody should read Project Censored as a matter of course. It's unbiased. It's just, um, I, I mean, it has a bias towards, I think, truth. Um, but you know, where you know, points out this is who's you know, forty percent of every of reporters, you know, don't uh, have stories that they know that they can't cover, so that they don't touch because they'll never you know make it through their media outlet. Um, and everybody needs to you know pay a mortgage. And and the people um, who are you know really concerned with the truth are the people like Sander Hicks, who I perceived originally, and I think most people perceive as a kook. And, you know, but they really have nothing to gain from um, sort of, uh, you know, un unearthing these um, controversial facts, um, you know, in terms of money. They're not like, you know, they don't like, they don't have better careers, you know, they're not like making money because they're doing controversial 9-11 research. Um, and, you know, they're doing it because they think it's the truth. And, and I mean, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to make um, a 9/11 truther, a hero in a movie, because um, y you know it's it's that very um, uh, that sort of negative attitude that you know that I took toward him, but I think everyone takes toward 9/11 truthers that you know that they're these kooks, but that the fact that they would continue to do what they do despite basically all the negative you know impact on their on their own personal lives. For right. doing it, Very it's few really these... heroic, and you know, and I think you know, it's um, you know, what's the uh, I don't even remember the name of the Russian author uh, that just died, who you know is who we've honored with a Nobel Prize for speaking out against Russia, uh, and uh, was that Solzhenitsyn? Yeah, yeah. Solzhenitsyn. And I'm not actually familiar with his work, but I you know, I, I couldn't help but think, okay, here's you know, here's a guy that we honor you know for speaking out in a in a you know. Uh, tyrannical society where you know he where the voice of uh free speech and free ideas was oppressed and we're in the same situation in a lot of ways uh you know but it's i mean it's 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 it, it, we it's more sophisticated it's you know the the corporations um own the media outlets and suppress it in in a way that's not as controversial and it's not you know it's so it's um so the, I don't, you know, I don't think people are really, you know, are really aware of of how filtered their their uh, their news, their data, anything that they actually receive. It's they, there's really very little, you know, open discourse in our society. Yeah, it's it's a shame, and you're right. These people who are doing this 9/11 truth stuff, they're marginalized. Very few of them are making any money at this. They're getting ridiculed. It's uh, and, you know, and sometimes people, their authors, uh, you know, you take David Ray Griffin. He's a guy who is established, has written several books on theology and different things, and you know, 
and he does his his 9/11 truth books and he's you know totally marginalized for that and right. but but you get him up there and you put him on any debate show and he can completely hold his own uh, but he very rarely gets on any mainstream uh, Right, exactly. Uh, you know, media sources. So uh, let's talk a little bit, you know, get back to, you know, your whole movie, how, how it uh, looks and everything. And I, uh, you know, you mentioned, you know, this kind of noir style that you used and how that, uh, you know, sexy babes are often an element of that. Yeah, uh, people that, you know, have made a lot of the look of your female actresses, especially... Uh, uh, what's your uh, Elena Elena Lowenson? Can you talk a bit about you know what you were looking for in casting when you were doing all that? Um, yeah, you know, uh, I, I was hundred uh, percent sort of committed. I wanted an Eastern European, um, you know, agent, and uh, um, I was a big. I was a fan of Elena, even though I uh, uh, um, and. I, uh, even though, to be honest, I first I re- recalled her at the time most, uh, you know, specifically from uh, when she appeared on a Seinfeld episode, and she's like the uh, Romanian gymnast. <laughs> um, uh, it's one of the best Seinfeld episodes where she's completely out of place, and she's got this, you know, exotic look. She's beautiful, and she's, um, you know, she's got this uh, great accent. Um, and uh, you know, for me, the 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 she really is. Um, you know, I sent her. She lives in Paris, and you know, I sent her um, uh, a script, and she, you know, enjoyed the character and um, uh, agreed to to take the part. And I'm very thankful. And uh, she, I feel, you know, she was absolutely perfect. I think she's an amazing actress. You know, she's been in a bunch of Hal Harley movies. She was uh, also, I mean, in Schindler's List, and uh, you know, whatever. I could go through. Uh, she's got a, you know, she's a little famous. Um, you know, at least in the indie world, and uh, I think she's amazing. And she, for me, the character that what she she brought to it was this sort of really authentic, um, old world femme fatale, the noir femme fatale look. And you know, I think that she does it, um, is, you know, as better than you know the. <laughs> the old, the old school femme fatale. Um, you know, it's funny actually. Um, you know, the movie is is uh, very much a sort of a, uh, like I said, a Maltese Falcon homage. And one of the things that I um, never got in the Maltese Falcon, I don't know, if, but was that was um, why I, I just never liked the femme fatale. I, I loved the movie. I loved the storyline. I loved everything about it. But I never found that. Um, Bridget O'Shaughnessy, you know, sort of attractive, and I never really understood why, you know, uh, uh, Marlowe fell for her, why he was doing these things. She just what, didn't do it for me, and so it was, you know, it was really important um, when you have a femme fatale that you're that the audience is convinced, um, you know, why, you know, a, the, a, why your hero would, you know, uh, go, you know, <laughs> you know, follow her like yeah. a dog, um, and sort of fall, you know, uh, lose his his, you know, potentially lose his, um, his, you know, straightforward reasoning, um, and, um, or at least understand the attraction, and, uh, um, and, you know, Alina was, is amazing and great, and, uh, and, and so for me, you know, sort of conceptually, there was this, there's this cafe in Brooklyn with this 9-11 truther, and who's a little bit kooky, and it's kind of real, kind of, you know, sort of, whatever postmodern cafe world and uh and 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 in comes this 1940s femme fatale with you know the smoking gun of uh who was responsible for the for 9-11 and um so she you know her 
you know, not only sort of her look and, you know, uh, but also the way we composed the music, her theme was, you know, sort of a, uh, specifically, uh, you know, reminiscent of, um, you know, an older, an older um, sort of film age. Um, and, uh, you know, in the, film, in the film treatment and everything was, you know, sort of really wanted to, to bring, she really brought the, the sort of uh, authentic noir you know, feeling. And yeah, she, for sure. She, brought, yeah. She, she, she sort of brings the noir, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, yeah, and she, she's just, it, it's not, you know, just that she's beautiful. It's it, Her features are just very interesting. Yeah. You, you know, and it, it, it's not, it, there, there's some girls you look at, they're just really cute and everything. You like looking at them, but with her, it's it's just like you're drawn in in this weird sort of intriguing way. And, it, and yeah, it, and she's got this, you know, I mean, there's she's got this, you know, undeniable sort of Eastern European thing. I don't even know how to, you know. It's the high cheekbones, and it's the, you know, and her mother was actually a famous Romanian um, ballerina, and that's how she uh, uh, emigrated out of Romania. Um, and she's got this, the way she holds herself, and the, and she sort of can do this over dramatic, uh, you know, style visually, but do it in an earnest way because there's something just very. Um, I uh, really authentic about her, you know, the, her approach to the character, and her, and she's, um, and it was amazing to work with her. It was really, uh, you know, a gift uh, that she uh, agreed to do the project. Well, that's cool, and yeah, so you can check her out in the movie Able Danger. Uh, this is Robert Larson out the rabbit hole, KUCI in Irvine, and we're speaking to the uh, writer, director, and producer of that film, Able Danger. And uh, the website again, uh, Paul. Uh, AbleDangerTheMovie dot com. Okay, and you can also, you know, that that kind of requires, you know, flash and the high speed uh, internet to really to check that out. But if you go to YouTube, there's also a bunch of clips. You know, you can check out on your iPhone, or if you've got a uh, not such a fancy computer, you can uh, you can go you can uh, you know YouTube uh, Able Danger and check out the trailer. And there's a bunch of clips on there too. Yeah, the trailer is great too. It just like you can't watch that and not want to see the movie you know it's it's really well done you picked all the right stuff uh, to put together on that I, I think uh so um yeah it's um the the web of intrigue you, you spin on your movie is is very complex and disorienting and i like that i because i think it reflects what one finds to be the case when one decides to really look behind an event like 9-11 and be willing to go where the facts lead is is that what you intended yeah um absolutely i mean i wanted you know i wanted the uh the viewer to be like a it's like a classic detective story where you know the sort of the the sam spade type to, you know detective is replaced by 9-11 truther and because you know basically th they are detectives you know they're um uh they're, you know, they're they're, uh, they're the, the sort of a neat, you know, postmodern detective, um, and uh, and so absolutely, 100 percent, you know, I, uh, uh, you know, I want the viewer to sort of be challenged um, by the information flow. I wanted the dialogue to be, you know, super snappy. So you know, you use, you know, in that in that sort of classic noir way where you're, it, the banter is going, you know, f fast and furious, and you know, you you might not, you know. Uh, uh, I mean, I'm one of those film lovers who, you know, really appreciates when I get something more out of a film the second or third time through. Like, wow, you know, now I get that plot point. Mm -hmm. um, now I get why, um, you know, 
you know, what she was, that she was lying at that point, and then she comes back and says, and he reveals it, and he got it, and then, you know, and, um, and, and so, um, you know, I think that I personally, you know, obviously I made, I wanted to make a movie that I would enjoy, and I think it's, you know, it's, it, it, it is challenging at times, and, you know, it's that fine line of, you know, am I losing the audience, and, you know, okay, I need to fix it a little bit, but at the same time, I, I, you know, I wanted to, wanted to be challenging to the audience, and, uh, um, uh, well, like, and you sort of, you know, you sort of have a conclusion at the end, but then you still kind of have some questions, and and I, I is, is I think and again that reflects w- what's going on in the real world. In that, I feel, you know, again that I like the way you brought up that BCAD as far as with nine eleven, and that you know here we are in nine eleven AD, um, and it's like we've, to me. It's like we've entered a dream. It's it's become very surreal since then because there's so many things that have happened that just seem sort of impossible. This is happening in America, and so so that you know. But it's not only that it's happening; it's that and that we're buying it. Right, and and wholesale. And you capture that in the movie, that sort of dreamlike quality, that, that we've entered a, a, almost a different reality. And I think you, you, you're toying with that, and I, you know, that was what I, one of the things I got out of it. Um, so how has the, the 9-11 Truth Movement reacted to your film? Um, uh, you know, there's... Uh um, there's been, they've been, I mean, I would say overall they've been supportive. I think they get it, you know, they, uh, most... Um, most of the, if I'm going to generalize, I'll say most of the truthers sort of um, get my agenda insofar as I'm really, um, I mean, it's a fictional movie, and so there's, you know, there's uh, there's purists, and I knew there would be that, that um, 9-11 truth purists that are opposed to anything that's fictional because then, you know, they feel like it undermines the whole sort of truth agenda. Um and but my take on it was that um, I really was trying to you know reach a, a different audience than the one that the sort of truth movement speaks to generally. And uh, you know to be honest, I wanted to make a good date movie that <laughs> um, that you could go to enjoy and then go wow. That was, you know, is that some of that stuff really true? You know, and and then maybe you check out what Able Danger is, or check, you know, there's a, I mean, Able Danger, you know, is certainly it's obviously the name of the movie, and it's something you can check out. But I mean, there's and there's a, you know, there's other themes that come up. I mean, you know, um, you know, one of the things that the movie um, uh, gets into pretty deeply is, you know, some of the stuff that Sander Hicks has been getting into, and, you know, he actually has this, you know, newspaper, you know, the New York Megaphone that, um, and and one of the things that I, you know, sort of directly took, you know, some of the work that Sander had published, and, you know, and it was sort of the the um, the, the work of, of the hero uh, in the movie, and he was sort of in the middle of researching and, you know, um, writing the article that had been published in the megaphone in the movie. Um, and, yeah. um, you know, and that's the stuff regarding um, uh, Muhammad Atta's you know, supposed best friend, uh, 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 Wolfgang Boringer, who gets renamed in the movie uh, Winfred Ringer. I, yeah. presume, I presume he's not going to come forward and get me now because he'd have to come out of hiding to, <laughs> to uh, incriminate me. I changed, it, I changed his name in the movie. Um, uh, but, I, you know, it's funny. I actually um, I thought, well, why don't I just use his real name and they don't have to come out of hiding to, uh, you know, to accuse me of something and then <laughs> it'll be busted. But, um, you know, <laughs> I wanted to try and, you know, get someone to, to you know, uh, to, 
whatever to buy the film, so I couldn't sort of certain certain things. I had to you know change the name of the guilty. Oh yeah, well, to protect the, the guilty. But um, the lawyers will sometimes tell you, hey, <laughs> you don't want to do that. Yeah. So, but it's uh, yeah, I, I think you know you're going to go and watch that movie, and uh, yeah, I could see taking a date, and yeah, you're going to be she, she'll be enjoying it and finding it entertaining and kind of weird, and then then after the movie scene. Well, wait a minute. Is there really a thing called Able Danger? And is there really uh, uh, Muhammad Atta? Is that true about him? And so uh, opening up the can of worms to people who otherwise would not even know that the can exists. So. Exactly. And, that, and that's all, exactly the whole, the entire point of it was to just, you know, to make something that was attractive and interesting. And, you know, the, you know the, if you, even if you don't care about 9-11 truth, you know, for me, it was like that you could, you could, you go and you could enjoy the you you could get some enjoyment out of the movie, but that there there there's no way I don't think there's any way you could sort of walk out of that movie and not have some discussion about things. You know, the movie for me is sort of an arrow towards your own you know process of discovery. Um, right. It's, now, sorry. have you uh, since since working on this film, have you had any encounters with strange or dark or Sinister real life characters. You know, I have to tell you, I I've been expecting them behind every corner, and um, uh, I there are times when I really didn't think that uh, I'd be able to um, get the movie out. Um, but uh, you know, I have to say, it's a uh, that um, you know there. I still have. Uh, you know, some faith in America <laughs> that I'm able to make the movie. Um, uh, so, you know, no, I can't say that I've been, you know, threatened or approached or, uh, you know, um, okay, or, any, well that, or anything sort of, you know, uh, uh, overly um, sinister. Okay, well, that's that's good to hear that that's, everything's cool that way. And now, now we just had this thing break this past week of uh, – this guy who committed suicide, who we are, after he commits suicide, it gets released to us, the general public, that he was now the main suspect in, in the anthrax attacks, which is, of course, related to 9-11 in, in different ways, depending on how you slice it. And do you have any thoughts about that whole thing happening? Um yeah, I mean, uh, I definitely have thoughts. Um, you know, I, uh, you know, there's part of me that um, that am, uh, wholly buys into uh, everything Webster Tarpley says. Uh, that's part of me, and uh, you know, I. It seems to me, you know, even before Tarpley, it seemed to me that the anthrax attacks. Um, yeah, I mean, were, you know, when we knew that it was a, a government source. Right. For, for the anthrax, when we knew that it was, I mean, we knew that a long time ago. And once that uh, became apparent, it, it, it always seemed to me that uh, that there was a, a, a definite agenda to change the agenda, a, you know, a, a specific wish to, to um, refocus our attention on something else after 9-11. And, um, you know, when you look at, you know who who got it you know the sort of democratic leaders who might have actually you know led a coup not a you know not a specific coup but really led a re rebellion um against and, the patriot you know, act and media outlets and it was really the message that was sent was so strong um uh, you know that 
um, I mean, to me, you know, these things like PNAC, we're like, okay, we need a, we need a new Pearl Harbor to you know to to sort of reinvigorate our armed forces into the Middle East, um, and then you know, which is just a blatant. Uh, statement about sort of a prediction of, of what, you know, 9-11 is all about, and then um, followed up with the anthrax stuff was really, you know, it was the it was the icing on the cake to sort of, you know, as to why we don't know more about things, because, you know, uh, I think anyone that might have spoken out in a mainstream way got the message at that time. Um, well, yeah, it was the two guys most responsible for moving the USA Patriot Act uh, legislation through Congress got the anthrax letters and you know patrick Leahy and uh tom daschle yeah so you know it's well that's just coincidence so you know that's kind of happening and, and the, the story is really unraveling as far as this uh guy uh, ivan's being the anthrax attacker that all the stuff we've been given about his therapist and it's just not holding up to scrutiny and you know he may have actually committed suicide but that he was the sole perpetrator of that attack it, it doesn't really hold up and uh so yeah something more to look at and i know it's related to your film and i um strongly urge people to check the movie out it's it's a great film able danger and uh the uh website again is uh, what's that abledangerthemovie.com abledangerthemovie.com and i assume you're just going to be promoting this for the next uh, for the foreseeable future that's your main focus right now yeah, you know, I'm uh, I'm 100% focused on uh, on promoting until 9/11, and I'll do my uh, premiere in New York at the Two Boots Theater, and I'll be playing a, I'm playing a week there, and uh, you know, like I said, I hope to get a lot of people to turn out to see it. Um, I, uh, you know, a lot of filmmakers tour, you know, indie filmmakers sort of go on tour with their film. Um, I don't think I'm going to do that. I need to sort of, you know, I'm looking to you know get started on the next movie, and you know, sort of do do. I'm not a you know, I'm not a I'm not going to spend another year sort of, you know, traveling with the movie. So I'm, I'm hoping to do a digital release. Perhaps I'll do it on 9/11 as well if I can get the deals done and uh, just get the movie out there. Um, uh, you know, and, and then if you know I can get some additional theatrical going, I'm going to do it. Uh, but I really, you know, at this point, I really it was my intention to. You know, after the last election, it was my intention. I was sort of resolved to make a movie that came out before the next election, and uh, so now I want to get it out, and I want to get it out before the next election, and I want you know, uh, just more. I want to add more fuel to the political discussion, and uh, and but hope you know, like I said, hopefully it's a good day movie, and you can just go and enjoy yourself. But nonetheless, uh, there might be something to talk about afterwards. Well, great, great. And, and good luck with that. And look forward to hearing from you when you got your next project going. And so, uh, Paul Crick, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you. Okay. That's Paul Crick, and he's the writer, director, and producer of the movie Able Danger. And, yes, you can uh, check that out on the Internet. And, like I said, hopefully we'll get that out here in L.A. soon. And it is playing in New York. Those of you listening to the show there, you can uh, check it out. Go to the Able Danger uh, movie uh, website. This is Robert Larson uh, saying uh, we've got to close out the show here. Uh, next week, my guest will be Mikey Weinstein, and he is the uh, director of the Military Religious Freedom Foundation in doing some uh, amazing and really important work, and you're going to be shocked with some of the things he will disclose.